takes a little bit more money to have a big band than it does to have a quartet. But it gives a chance for the musicians to be involved in something for the love of. And it's not, that, well, I got this gig tonight so I can pay my rent here the next day. No, this is something, there's something else at work here. It's not just the money that you're going to get from the gig. You're involved in something else, and the money comes later, if it's going to come at all. <laughs> and oftentimes it doesn't, but uh, the love for the music is always there. This is Jazz Stories. I'm Alexa Lim. So some of the greatest music made probably hasn't been recorded, but rather produced on the fly in practice spaces after the tape has stopped rolling when ideas can flow freely between musicians. In 1967, the late saxophonist Joe Henderson put together a rehearsal band to capture these ideas. And that pickup band was never meant to record any albums or play any gigs. Despite this, it attracted a roster of top-notch musicians including Henderson's close friend, the trumpeter Kenny Durham. So Henderson was recording for Blue Note Records under his own name at the time, and he had been part of Horace Silver's band and would briefly play with Miles Davis, co-lead the jazz communicators with Freddie Hubbard, and continue to be a prolific composer, freelancer, and teacher. So he definitely wasn't short on work. The band he put together was his own laboratory to work out his ideas and existed purely for the sake of music. In 1992, Jazz at Lincoln Center reunited Henderson and six of the original members for a live performance. In this interview with Bill Brower, Henderson lets us in on the rehearsals of that legendary band. Kenny Dorham and I put this rehearsal band together in about 1967. I had left the Horse Silver Band and was just walking around New York looking for something to do. And I was hanging out with Kenny at that time. We were very good friends. I think I might have suggested to him something about a big band. And this band sort of grew out of that conversation. Kenny had a couple of charts that he had had stashed away in a closet somewhere that he hadn't used for a long time. Jimmy Heath had a couple of charts. To get it started, I mean, when you get 17 cats together, you got to have something for them to do, right? So this was the music that we got started with. So I would bring in eight bars. I had nothing written at that time, big band. I had nothing but the desire to do some larger forms uh, writing. But uh, what putting the band together did uh, at that time was it kind of offered a distraction to the guys that were associated with the band when the band got started. I mean, you know, the evils that are out here in New York at that time, they're probably still here, probably uh, much more even around the world now. But uh, these guys were just looking for something to do to kind of distract them from some of these uh, bad influences that uh, have a way of reaching into our uh, existence. So we put the band together. We've got some interested people. I started writing some music. I'd bring in eight bars of a tune. My tunes, for the most part, that I had recorded in smaller uh, groups. Tunes like uh, Without a Song, Granted is another one. Isotope is another one. These are tunes that I had recorded with a smaller group on the Blue Note label. So rather than using tunes of uh, other people, I thought I'd just use my own tunes and just kind of enlarge them. And um, I guess I kept growing as an arranger, and the guys were having great fun with the uh, band. This really offered them something to do just to kind of pull them away from other things that they were getting involved in that they shouldn't probably be involved in. 
And for me, it offered me a uh, way of uh, learning about arranging, that sort of thing there. So the band wasn't put together to go out and uh, eventually start to rehearse and then start to make gigs and maybe a record or two or something like that. No, it was just a rehearsal band. And uh, just that the band started to sound so good after about six, seven months that uh, people who would come by the rehearsals were trying to get us interested in doing some gigs. You know, of course, the Cats had no problem with that. I was just wondering if we'd have enough music to get all the way through a set, much less a, a complete night of music. did this for about five years and then the band stopped rehearsing after five years. I started getting more busy with the quartet and the quintet that I was working with at the time and I went to Europe with the intentions of staying there for about four weeks and I stayed over for four months and when I came back just getting the band started back again was just the most difficult thing at that time that I think that I'd ever done. So we just agreed to disband. And the music, this particular music, has been laying around since that time. And here we are 30 years later, nearly 30 years later, with an opportunity to rehearse it and perform this music in such a way that we never did, even when the band was together at that time. The band was made up of uh, about 17 tremendously talented soloists. And they were also good readers, very good musicians with very good uh, schooling backgrounds that uh, these people could handle practically anything that would come up jazz-wise, and probably more than that, but my interest was, uh, was jazz-wise. And it was just to put a band together and experience writing uh, with no preconceived notions as to what and how. I just uh, started writing, and I figured, well, the logic will come. I'll know why I wrote that after I wrote it, and not so much as before, I've made this big plan, this big blueprint. It wasn't that kind of thing. The blueprint came after, and it was more fun that way. I mean, I wasn't uh, bogged down by having certain ideas that I was going to try to uh, have them come out one way or another with this big band. I just, uh, what came out, the logic came after the fact. Can you recall any of the things that you and Kenny talked about in terms of what the musical approach of the band was going to be? Well, definitely the, the musical approach was going to be born out of uh, our collective abilities. We had players like uh, Pepper Adams uh, played the baritone chair with us uh, uh, quite often, and also the baritone player who's playing the concert with us tonight. His name is Joe Temperley. He was with us when the band first got started. Lou Soloff is our uh, lead trumpet player. He was with us from the beginning. Randy Brecker was with the band. Johnny Cole spent a lot of time with the band. Uh, Joe Farrell. Chick Corea spent time with the band. Ron Carter came in and sat in with the band. It was a band that everybody, a lot of the musicians around town wanted to get a taste of this. So they'd come down and uh, play one of the chairs, you know what I mean? And in playing the chair, they would learn what the book was about. So if we ever needed to get a player because one of the, the regular player couldn't make it, well, then it wasn't the case that there was somebody coming in and looking at these strange notes. They had seen these notes before, you know? I mean, this is not the kind of music that you want to have somebody up there sight reading. I mean, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. <laughs> I mean, this is really challenging music, uh, I feel, even today. So 
One way that you write for a band is you have to know the personalities that you're writing for. I mean, you want to, don't want to write a bunch of high A's for the trumpet, and when you don't have a trumpet player that can reach these high A's, you've got to know these people personally and know their abilities, and you write accordingly. And uh, that doesn't necessarily hem you in one way or another. It's just more interesting to be able to write for someone, and you write according to the collective abilities of the band. You know, you try to make the music fit the abilities of the particular players that play in each one of those chairs there. Since I didn't know this in the beginning, I wasn't guided by that, you know. And Kenny, just uh, having had some big band experience, I think since the days of uh, Billy Eckstein, I think he spent some time with the Billy Eckstein band, because he used to tell me stories about the Billy Eckstein band, about uh, when they would be traveling in various parts of the country. I mean, these guys would have to, I think everybody carried a weapon of some kind just to protect themselves from uh, the things that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, traveling in the South, it wasn't so friendly down there. So you had to be ready to uh, protect yourself there, you know. And then uh, I guess one way or another, guys in the band would have differences sometimes that would nearly get settled in that kind of way, but it never came to uh, anything drastic uh, uh, like that. I mean, this was, he told this to me, more in humor rather than something serious having gone down. But if Kenny had <clears throat> some things in mind, I didn't know what this was uh, uh, in terms of the band. Kenny didn't do any of the writing for the band. I think this chore was left up to me. And the charts that he had were charts that were written for him by someone. He just had these big band charts, which uh, uh, offered us uh, uh, some music to play. I mean, to you got to have something for these people to do. Once you get them together, you got to have some music for them to play. And I had none at the time. Kenny had a couple of charts. Jimmy Heath came in with a couple of charts. And there we got the rehearsal started. So this gave me a little time to start to bring out some of these ideas that I'd had in my mind in terms of writing for a big band. I hadn't done that prior to that time. What kind of playing experience did you have with big bands? Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I had played with some big bands around Detroit. These aren't bands that have any kind of name. Good bands, though. And uh, the experience that I got in playing in band situations all the way from high school, uh, I guess, followed me uh, on up to the point where uh, I, when I assembled, along with Kenny, this big band, uh, I probably brought some of that stuff to bear uh, on uh, the band that we had at that, that time. Can you talk a, a little bit about the specific musical challenge that writing these charts was, and, and, and kind of in relationship to going from the, the strong background that you had as a, in, in working in small groups and as an improviser, and then what do you have to do, what's your musical thinking, how does it have to adapt writing arrangements like these? You, you have to have the desire, and you have to kind of want to do that, and I guess you have to have some kind of talent in that direction. I played in uh, several different concert bands. I played in concert bands all the way from high school. And then when I got to college, I was playing in another concert band. When I was in the military, I played in another concert band. And I always liked larger works, larger forms, I mean with tubas, oboes, and uh, clarinets and all of this kind of stuff. But I just never thought that I would be directing a band with this kind of instrumentation. I think I had something to offer there because I always liked this, even when I was in high school. I didn't know what it was about it that I liked, but I liked it. You know, I mean, playing compositions from Hindemith, the band compositions that he had put together. There was something about these larger works that I really liked that I couldn't get from a smaller situation, like a quartet, quintet, that kind of thing there. 
I guess uh, you've got this reservoir of ideas that uh, are roaming around in your brain and you want to put them down on paper and then pass that paper out to the trumpet players uh, or to the trombone players, in our case the saxophone players, bass player and drummer. And uh, you just begin to uh, sort of try to spell out some musical ideas and you, hopefully it'll make uh, some musical sense. And then me uh, having kind of a jazz reputation Naturally, this is the direction that, uh, that I was interested in going in uh, uh, with the band. And I think we were not, perhaps not too unsuccessful at that. And this is not a band where you've got to uh, keep reminding people where, where the beat is, where, where the first beat, the second beat, the third beat, and the fourth beat to the bar, one, two, three. These guys know this stuff instinctively because they're professional musicians, and these people were chosen because of that particular quality in their uh, ability is that, uh, I mean, I could just write some things. I don't have to worry about them thinking that the first beat of the bar is the fourth beat of the preceding bar. It doesn't come into that kind of thing there. But in certain big bands, you have to write in a real guarded, careful kind of way because to keep these 17 people playing together and phrasing together, you've got to write the music in such a way that that never gets lost. I wasn't concerned with that. I just wrote music out and got players together that could play the music, players who would feel comfortable playing this music, and it seems as though that it, that it worked uh, along those lines. It's just that it's been all of this time, nearly 30 years, that uh, I've heard some of this music. This was a fun band, and we, uh, you're talking about getting guys to the rehearsal on time. These guys would be there right on time, and they would stay over for two and three hours after the rehearsal which uh, can be difficult to do with all of the things that people have to do. I mean, they've got to go to gigs that night or that kind of thing. They were so interested in this band and this music that uh, almost nothing else existed. The late Joe Henderson. You can find all of our jazz stories on iTunes and at jalc.org slash podcasts. For Jazz Stories, I'm Alexa Lim. This series is produced by David Gorin and me at Murray Street with support from Jazz at Lincoln Center. So consider becoming a member or joining us for a live performance. You can find complete information at jalc.org.